2: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 1st. Wow. 2021. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr On today's episode of Locked On Magic, talk a little bit about the coaching search, some new information on the coaching search, maybe some new information. But I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the Magic's in-house candidates, um, which we've kind of skipped over a little bit, um, and, and, and maybe for good reason. But we'll talk a little about them. Plus, our first NBA draft profile. We'll talk about Moses Moody, one of my favorite prospects in this NBA draft. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all, you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network or every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's podcasts here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown and the congratulate? The Phoenix Suns for reaching the Western Conference, or for winning the Western Conference and reaching the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. Check out our good friends at Locked On Suns. Congratulations, guys! Uh, We are well. We'll talk more about about you in a little bit here as well. Um, No matter who your team is, and actually, yeah, one more one more team to congratulate. If you want to follow the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest for their second straight Stanley Cup, check out our pals at Locked On Lightning. No matter who your team is whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So with, with the L.A. Clippers now eliminated from the playoffs, we are expecting things to pick up a little bit in the Magic's coaching search. Uh, everyone has essentially assumed that the Magic were waiting on Kenny Atkinson, um, uh, the L.A. Clippers assistant, uh, to become available, whether for an interview or whether to be hired. Um, there's a going thought or a general thought that um, Atkinson might be more involved in the day-to-day game planning and, and kind of as the lead assistant for, the, for Teron Liu and the Clippers. And so he may not have been able to break away in, in time to get an interview in the same way that, say, Chauncey Billups could. Uh, but we are expecting now that Kenny Atkinson and the Clippers have been eliminated, that the Magic will get their chance to go after their sort of uh, what what many are assuming is their main guy. I mean, after all, if the Magic wanted to hire Becky Hammond, especially now that the Portland job's gone, probably would have been done already. And I'll get to the in-house candidates here in a bit. Um, but if the Magic wanted to hire an in-house candidate, it probably would be done. It really does feel like the Magic are waiting for some eliminations or for the week between the final, between the conference finals and the finals, there will be a little bit of a break to get all this stuff done and to, and to finalize their coaching search. So I do think we are entering a critical time. Like I said, the timeline that I had laid out um, is uh, I expected a hire to be, to, I expect things to really kick into gear. Next week, with a hire in place, sometime during the week of July 12th, at the at the latest. Um, I, I know some people think it could be a little bit later than that. Um, I do think I do think that we will see the Magic hire their head coach sometime in the next week, week and a half. Um, I do think they'll probably wait till after the holiday. Um, usually, usually there's a second round of interviews um, with uh, Magic's brass, and I think Alex Martin's might be involved in that. Just you know, he's he's the boss. He, he approves. He approves all the hires. Um, and then I do believe uh, what's typically happened in the past with Magic coaching hires is the the choice, whoever the choice is, meets with the DeVos family um, to to get the final approval and get the fire, final hire. That's just how the hiring process has been in the past. I don't know if that'll be the process here with uh, Jeff Weltman. But again, it feels like the Magic were waiting for this playoff elimination to make something happen. And so it would not surprise me if, In the next 24 hours or so, again, Holiday is in the middle here, but in the next 24 hours or so, we do hear that the Magic have interviewed Kenny Atkinson or have spoken with Kenny Atkinson, and it would not surprise me if things speed up from there. Um, Why are the Magic so interested in Kenny Atkinson, you might ask. I know there's a lot of people who've said, like, why Kenny Atkinson? He got his stars in Kyrie Irving and then kind of quit on the team and left. Well, the big reason is that Kenny Atkinson has the experience to do what the Magic are trying to do. Um, Think back to when the Magic hired Steve Clifford. The Magic hired Steve Clifford because he was an expert with the Charlotte Hornets of taking a team that was at 20, I think they had 23, 24 wins the year before he got there and turning them into a perennial playoff contender. Not a championship contender, mind you, a playoff contender. They made the playoffs twice in his five years. In Charlotte, he could fairly blame injuries for some of the reasons why he missed and they were always competitive. They always won more than 30, 30, 35 games. So, um, that, the Mag, the Magic wanted Steve Clifford to do what he did in Charlotte, in Orlando, and yes, he succeeded at that. What the Magic are now looking for is someone who can take a team that's at the very beginning stages of their rebuild, grow an identity, grow a purpose, grow, you know, grow a purpose of play, grow grow uh, 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 and improve as individual players, but then take that next leap into becoming a playoff team. And that's exactly what Kenny Atkinson did at, in Brooklyn in those early years. Um those early years in Brooklyn, if you watch those teams, like after they traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, they didn't have any draft picks. They didn't have a lot of talent on that roster, but they played hard. Um, and I know there's criticism of Kenny Atkinson about you know kind of the structure that he puts in. Some similar things about rotation rigidity, um, all that stuff. But those guys played hard. I, I remember watching those early Brooklyn teams and being like, they are just a fun group to watch. Um, they know they don't have the talent. They know they may not have the horses to get to the end of games, but they were in a lot of fourth quarters. Um, they, they gave themselves plenty of chance, and, and I think that that speaks really highly of Kenny Atkinson as a coach. And then once they did start bringing the talent in, especially after they got D'Angelo Russell, that style that they'd been playing really fit him, and they really took off. They re- I mean, they, they were a playoff team. Um, and so I think what happened eventually, what eventually led to his departure was Kyrie Irving wanted to run the show. He needed more of a, a manager rather than kind of a, a coach, so to speak. Um, which you know, again, Steve Nash I think did a fantastic job with Brooklyn Nets, drew up some fantastic plays, but he's kind of there to be a manager to, to kind of manage everyone and and keep everyone focused on the goal. Kenny Atkinson wanted to do things his way. Kyrie wanted to do things this way, his way, and. You're butting heads and Kyrie's going to win that argument every single time. And so Atkinson left. Um, so again, Atkinson did not leave Brooklyn because he was doing a poor job. He left Brooklyn because of kind of a culture clash. Um, so if Atkinson can come to Orlando, and obviously he latched on with a Clippers team, that is very, very good. So he is very well thought of. Um, if he could come to Orlando and do the same thing that he did in Brooklyn, establish a culture, establish an identity, Get, keep the guys playing hard and buying in, knowing that the wins might be a little further down the road, that would be a huge victory. Now, in the same vein that I think Steve Clifford wanted to see his career take another step where he wants to maybe coach a team that's a little bit, has a more realistic chance of getting out of the first round, he doesn't want to be known as the coach that kind of resurrects these middling teams. And I understand that completely. I think, I think that was a fair thing um, for Steve Clifford to ask for and for Steve Clifford to want in his career at this point. I've got to ask the question: Does Kenny Atkinson want to be known as this coach that rescues these kind of teams at the beginning and takes them to that next level or to the next level? Uh, or is that the kind of coach he wants to be, or does he want to coach a team that's a little bit closer? You know, does he want to dive into the Zion mess, for instance, uh, in, in New Orleans? I mean, I think Washington might be a little bit more of a deader end, but um, you know, obviously the three teams that have coaching vacancies left have problems. New Orleans is, you know. There are questions about Zion's future there, uh, and and how satisfied their superstar player is. Washington, uh, they have super they have star players in Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, but Russell Westbrook's getting older. Bradley Beal, everyone feels like he has one eye out the door. They don't have a lot of cap maneuverability to add new players. They kind of are what they are. And while the Magic feel like a very blank slate, they are very 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 young, and it's very and they're pro- more of a roll of the dice whether they're going to win or not. That, I think, is something that coaches are considering as much as anyone else as they look at these job openings. Um, it is worth noting um, that Josh Robbins of The Athletic on his Q&A yesterday um, did also say that he believes the Magic did interview a few in-house candidates. So we can add them to our list, and, and I'll add them to the coaching power rankings coming up here uh, on Sunday. Um, that's, that's, that's when I write them. Um, he believes that the Magic did interview... Uh, Ty Corbin, Pat Delaney, and Steve Hessel uh, from Steve Clifford's staff. All of them are still on staff, by the way. All those assistant coaches are still under contract. They're still um, working with the players. So, you know, a player needs to come into, come into the gym, needs to coach with them. You know, I don't know what exactly what the rules are at, at this time of the year, but um, th- those coaches are available. They're in the office. They're, they're, they're still working for the Orlando Magic. So they're still under contract. And, you know, I, I've never been against the idea of promoting from within. Because like I said, the Magic didn't fire Steve Clifford or didn't part ways with Steve Clifford because he was doing a bad job. Steve Clifford did a really good job. And, and, and Magic fans, I know Steve Clifford had his shortcomings. I've spoken about them. But Steve Clifford did a really good job in Orlando. Um, and, and I still think a coach like him that holds players accountable, that has you know has some, stru- some structure to him, would be really valuable to this team. Uh, if Steve Clifford wanted to coach this Orlando Magic team next year, there would be no problems. I think he would be the perfect coach for a young team like this Magic team. Um, you know, just maybe needs a little bit more patience and a, li- and a little bit more flexibility with some things, which again is our fair weaknesses and I think fair criticisms of him uh, throughout his coaching tenure, to be perfectly honest. Um, Clifford, If Clifford wanted to coach his team, he still coached his team. And so I-, I still don't think there's a reason why you shouldn't consider someone who's already on his staff. If continuity matters and if you are happy with the job that the staff did, then keeping someone from that staff and keeping people who players are familiar with and can continue to grow and work with if, if you're happy with how they've progressed is not a crazy idea in my opinion. I don't think that that is I don't think that that's a bad decision. Um Ty Corbin has head coaching experience. Um yes, his time in Utah wasn't so successful and his time in Sacramento was really short. Guys learn from their first coaching jobs. First coaching jobs are always very very difficult and that Utah position was weird too for a number of reasons. Um but undoubtedly Magic went 3-3 three and three in Corbin's six games when he took over for Steve Clifford because of the positive COVID test. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that, that Corbin would be a very good voice and would be a very good, good person to kind of keep the team level-headed and, and keep the team kind of growing in the right direction. Maybe not a long-term option, but um, I think that, that his voice would be good. Would be good. Um, like I said, I, I feel like I generally know what the other assistants do. Um, but I can't tell you exactly what everyone's personal responsibilities are. Pat Delaney and Steve Hetzel have been with Steve Clifford for several years. Um, they were, they came with him from Charlotte when the Magic hired him. Um, Pat Delaney, uh, I believe Pat Delaney was the head coach of the Canton Charge. Um, so he's got some... Head, I think both Pat Delaney and Steve Hetzel coached in the G League, so they are very much rooted in development and, and that's part of who they are um, and part of their coaching background. Um, and... You know, I think that they'd both be very good candidates. Um, Pat Delaney interviewed for the New York Knicks job last year, and there was at least, before Tom Thibodeau emerged, was at least some consideration that he could coach the New York Knicks. Um, you know, I think, I think that they're both very, very capable, and I think that they both do a really good job, and especially with the continuity factor, with kind of having a relationship with these players already, I do think that they would uh, be very good for the team. However, I will note this, as I mentioned before, if the Magic were going to hire in-house, if the Magic were totally dead set on so, on keeping that continuity, they would have hired them already. Um, they're already under contract. There'd be no reason, you know, you'd still want to do an exhaustive search. You'd still want to do an interview, but if it became clear that you wanted to keep keep the group that you already have together, it would have been done already. So uh, as, as, as good it is as, as it is to hear just for professional development... To see these guys get their opportunities to interview for the job, and hopefully, you know, I would hope some of them would stay on staff. Um, I hope that they'd be available to stay on staff because I think that continuity does matter. Um, but we are getting to a point where, yes, these guys are going to have to find jobs for next year soon. So I don't know how long the Magic will retain, will hold on to them. Um, but I would, I would say that it would mean if, if if the Magic were going to hire in house, they would have done it already. Um, so I do think the Magic are going to end up looking elsewhere, and who knows? We'll we'll we might hear very very soon on that front. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs plus my one of my favorite prospects in this NBA draft coming up here in just a moment. But first, it is time for the Michelob Ultra Moment of the Week. There's a lot of moments we can choose, though. This week was a A week filled with anniversaries. Um, You know, this week was the anniversary of Game 4, the 1995 Eastern Conference Finals, which, you know, I have come to accept Rick Smith did get the shot off in time. Um, You know, I've I've reached acceptance in my period of mourning. We had the last laugh anyway. Uh, Yesterday was also the anniversary of Penny Hardaway getting drafted by the Golden State Warriors and being traded to the Orlando Magic. An ironic day, considering it was the day after Penny decided to stay at Memphis as the head coach. But I want to combine a couple segments here. Um, This is also our road to the playoffs, sponsored by Michelob Ultra. Um, Our road to the finals, sponsored by Michelob Ultra. And it's also our moment of the week. Um, As long-suffering Orlando Magic fans, of course, uh, we do know that wins are precious. And going deep into the finals and deep into the playoffs are very, very precious things. Um, Not something that should be taken for granted or or um, passed over as mundane. Um, teams like, you know, maybe the Lakers or the Celtics who have, you know, who championship is, championships are very much in their blood um, may see these deep playoff runs as as, an everyth- everyday occurrence or something that isn't quite so special. But these runs are special. You know, Magic have had a few of them. Uh, 95, 96, 2009, 2010 are the four years that the Magic have made the conference finals and each one, each I mean, those are the four best teams in franchise history. Obviously, those are those are runs that are very, very special to Magic fans and something that we crave for all the time. For the Phoenix Suns, it has been a long journey to get to this point. Ten straight years missing the playoffs, a lot of heartache in the Steve Nash years as they couldn't get over the hump and get into the finals. To be back in the finals now with that incredible performance from Chris Paul last night, um, it, I, I am I, I am so happy for Suns fans. I know a few of them. Um, I know that that there's been a lot of suffering to get there. I, I'll, I'll, I'll lead Crow on some of my analysis of Devin Booker if you want to go back and look at my tweets. He's proven me wrong a thousand times over. Uh, this is This is a truly special and fun team, and they look to be in a strong position to win the NBA championship this year and deliver the Suns their first franchise championship. But I want to speak today for our moment of the week about a, a Magic alum who... You know, may, many people probably forgot played for the Magic, but a Magic alum who who this journey has probably been more difficult than others. Um, our moment of the week this week is the Phoenix Suns making the NBA Finals, but but more importantly, our moment of the week this week is Monty Williams making the NBA Finals. Um, if you don't know Monty Williams' story, it it is it is one of incredible heartache. Um, but incredible faith and incredible perseverance. Um, just, from this, just from the start of things, um, just from the start of things, Ryan Anderson is one of the most beloved players in Magic history. He is one of the most beloved just people that has ever walked through the Amway Center. Just like, honestly, Monty Williams is one of the most beloved people to ever put on a Magic uniform. When Ryan Anderson's—I don't remember if he was a, she was an ex-girlfriend—but when Ryan Anderson's girlfriend um, committed suicide, Monty Williams was his coach with the Pelicans, and, and Monty Williams was there as a human being for Ryan Anderson, uh, just sitting there praying with him and, and being there for him, and, and being just a, a, a good friend as much as as much as a coworker or, or anything else. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, tragedy has also befallen Monty Williams. Um, A drunk driver killed his wife and I believe his daughter as well. And that is just immeasurable loss. Something that I can't imagine as someone who doesn't have a family. Um, But something that just feels too cruel. Especially to happen to someone who is such a good person by all accounts. Again, someone who, everything that I've, I've known about, about him in his time in the Magic, he was, he was a workhorse, did whatever was asked for him, started, came off the bench, didn't play, just filled in all the gaps to make others better. Monty Williams is someone who makes others better. That's how he played, that's how he coaches, that's, that's how he lives. And if you've never seen his eulogy to his, to his wife, um, if you've never seen the eulogy to his wife, go watch it. Um, because his his faith and his optimism, you know, recognizing his own sadness still but and his, and his own grief and his own mourning, but to still come out and, and be so forgiving and so loving uh, and trying to lift others up even in his moment of tragedy, Monty Williams is one of the very best human beings in the NBA. Not just not just players because you know, he was, he was a solid player one of the best human beings in the nba and you could feel that emotion as the suns wrapped up that series last night you could feel the emotion that everyone felt for monty to get this team to this moment you know i've seen several comments throughout the course of the of the day throughout the course of the of the evening the last you know 12 12 hours or so now, of just people saying, I am so happy for Monty Williams. There are so many people in the NBA happy for Monty Williams. And it's because this is truly one, you know, at least from everything that we've seen publicly, and there's no reason to think otherwise, but you got to hedge your bets in these days, I suppose. But there, there's truly no person who deserves to be in the finals more and deserves this success and deserves this recognition than Monty Williams. And if you're looking for someone to cheer for in these finals, and there's plenty of people to cheer for, plenty of legacies, plenty of stories to write, Monty Williams is one of them and certainly one of the bigger and better stories, one of the more uplifting and positive and happy stories that you will see. So... From all of us here in the Orlando Magic family, for uh, at least I think I can speak for the Orlando Magic family, uh, at least all of us here at Locked on Magic and Orlando Magic Daily, we feel so much joy and happiness in Monty Williams' success. Whatever little piece the Magic may have played, whatever little piece of being in Orlando played and getting Monty Williams to this moment, we're so happy for it. And we're so happy for Monty Williams making the NBA Finals. So go check out tons of other exciting Ultra Moments with the hashtag moment. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success because enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Congratulations, Monty Williams.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
2: This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? They're usually just choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You don't need them anymore. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So we're going to start our draft profiles today. Um, We'll, periodically over the next month, obviously, we'll be previewing and profiling prospects that the Magic could take um, with the 5th or the 8th pick, possibly even some with the 33rd, or possibly even some a little bit later that we like and want to keep an eye on. Um, Overall, this draft class, largely considered a 5-person class, um, for a long time, at least 5 people at the top, is top-heavy, but with several intriguing prospects among the middle. And so the Magic having two top 10 picks... Puts them in a good spot to add two rotation-caliber players. And there are definitely capable players, even some potential star players that the match could get at number eight. Certainly a little bit more of a risk on that end. We'll get to some of those a little bit later on. But today, I want to talk about a player that I think has both a high floor and a high ceiling. A player that I am, I've really liked and a player that I've drafted several times in our Locked on NBA mock drafts. A guy I keep turning back to. Obviously, when we start talking about the draft uh, with the Orlando Magic, everything starts with length. Um, we can't avoid it. We can't deny it. We joke about it all the time, but it's a thing. The Magic love length. And to some extent, they're a right to in a lot of ways. There are things you can teach and things you cannot. You cannot make someone's arms three inches longer. You cannot make someone three inches taller. Physical attributes are something that you can't teach, and that bumps people up and down the draft boards. If you're taller than you should be or longer than you should be, you stand out. And ultimately, it is the belief of, maybe the vain belief, but it is the belief of almost every NBA organization that they can get the skill work done themselves, that they can build the skills over a period of time, over a longer period of time. But that's not the case with Moses Moody. With Moses Moody... He has the length checked out. Six foot six with shoes with a seven foot, uh, I think it's 0.75 wingspan. It's about seven foot one wingspan. He had the longest or the the largest ratio of height to wingspan or wingspan to height um, measured at the NBA Draft Combine. He had, had the longest wingspan of any guard in the NBA Draft. And yes, the Magic have often taken the guards that have the longest wingspan in the second round. But don't get it wrong. Moses Moody is not simply about his length. Those are tools in his tool chest. Because he has skill built in already. Most people, when they evaluate Moses Moody, have pegged him already as your kind of prototypical 3 and D player. He's got a smooth jumper and is more than capable spot-up shooter, something that he was not always asked to do at Arkansas. He is good at coming off and around screens. And he is a very capable scorer, leading the Razorbacks in scoring this year and putting up some big games, scoring 28 points in a road game at Alabama and 28 points again, he scored it four times with two of them in marquee games at Alabama, very good team last year, as well as against LSU in the SEC tournament, a game that they ultimately lost. Moses Moody, to me, it's not just about the photo his mom posted from three years ago of him literally reaching from the floor to the ceiling. Or at least to the top of a door frame. And it's not just about his length; it is that he knows how to use it, and not just knows how to use it, has the skill set to do something else. To me, Moses Moody is about as safe of a gamble as you can make in this draft. He's a he's a double, maybe even a triple. Not a home run. I'm not expecting that, but a double or a triple would be a huge get for a team like the Orlando Magic. He's already got the shooting skills. And he's shown that he can work off screens, and when, the, when a team does eventually move him off the ball, that he can still be effective. He knew how to use his length effectively defensively, and while there's still certainly some discipline and, and, and things you have to learn defensively, as any young player would, if he's willing to put that work in defensively, he's got the tools to be a really good defender. Not everyone has to be a star here, folks. Some people are just really good role players. And if Moses Moody is in your lineup, you can rely on him to make threes, or you, or you believe you can rely on him. He's an 81% th- uh, free throw shooter. I think he shot like 35% on three-pointers, which is impressive for a high-usage player. He's someone that can make, th- who can theoretically make threes as well as defend at a high level if he's willing to put in that work. What takes Moody to another level for me is that potential that he could be Just a little bit more. Obviously, he was the leading scorer for Arkansas, and they were a three seed in the NCAA tournament last year. They had a fantastic season, and he put up some big scoring games. If there is any hint that he could do that at the NBA level, then you're looking at a really valuable player. A lot of the comparisons I've seen have compared his game to Chris Middleton, and I think there is a lot to that. If he can become a more compact shooter, a more compact dribbler and a more compact shooter, get a one or two dribble pull-up to the mid-range, along with that three-point threat, he would be a very dangerous player. But there's still a long way to go for him to get there, and there's no guarantee that he will get there. Moody had his great performance, but he also had some duds. He averaged only 13 points per game in the NCAA tournament. Um, teams really locked in on him, forced him into traffic, forced him into, into corners and into traps. and. He really struggled the times to free himself and to get open jumpers and to get the shots that he is very, very good at. Um, he shot less than 20% on threes in the NCAA tournament and shot less than 35%. So he, he had his struggles. And I think as a number one option, he would struggle a ton in the NBA. His dribble is not super tight. Um, he, he can get a little loose with the ball, especially when he's attacking. And I think once that first move is gone, he struggles a little bit in traffic. And honestly, probably the biggest thing that that does look like would hamper him in the NBA is his ability to finish. He is not a super athlete by any stretch of the imagination, uh, and finishing off of one and two feet in traffic particularly was a struggle for him at Arkansas. No one is sitting here projecting that Moses Moody will be a surefire all-star. No one here is projecting that he should be your number one option. But what intrigues me about him more than anything else, though, is that you don't need him to be all that. But the fact that he can be, if you can get three, four, five games a year, a playoff game, where he is your leading scorer, where he is a guy that just gets hot and and finds his rhythm, that would be more than enough. That would be more than enough to make a Moses Moody pick worth it. Right now, the Orlando Magic need skill. But they need skill that fits their identity and fits the things that they like and the things that they look for. And they aren't going to find anyone that fits that T more than Moses Moody. Moody might be a safer pick. Don't get me wrong. And and I've been on record on this. I, I think that the Magic should take a gamble with one pick and a safe pick with another. Moody, to me, is a safe pick. Because I think at the very least he can be a reliable outside shooter and a reliable defender with the potential to be kind of that Bruce Bowen, not not, maybe not as good as Bruce Bowen, but a Bruce Bowen type 3 and D guy, those prototypical 3 and D guys. I think Moody can get there. And if he can get there, then you've got a high-level starter. You've got a high-level bench player. And that would be a huge success. Does Moody have the upside to be a whole lot more, to be a superstar? I I, I think James Book Knight has a better chance of becoming an all-star than Moses Moody does. But I think Moody will still be a contributor in this league for a very, very long time. So it just depends what the Magic are looking for with the 5th or the 8th pick. Because again, if he's your guy. If you're convinced he's the guy, take him at 5. Don't wait. Don't risk it. Take him. I'd imagine Golden State would love a player like Moses Moody to kind of replace what they've lost in Andre Godalla in a lot of ways. Moses Moody has long been one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I've watched a few of his games, and, and, and he is... While certainly a flawed player and not a guy that you want to give the keys to and let him drive the car all the time, the fact that he can get in the front seat and drive on occasion, to me that's plus because I think his floor is super high. I think that he will give the team a whole lot with the chance to do a whole lot. We'll have plenty more on the NBA draft uh, throughout the course of the next month as we get ready for the July 29th NBA draft, officially 29 days until the NBA draft, but starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Be sure to check out that podcast when it hits. That's good to do it for me today, though. Today, though I want to thank you all again for listening to, Orlando, or to Locked On Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, your tune in Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places to learn podcasts. To your podcast-enabled listening device, you can find me on Twitter at philip rr underscore omni, and of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. dot com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Oh That's good to for me today. Though I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can, Of course, join me for my for my uh, Spotify uh, Spotify Green Room chat coming up today at five PM Thursday, July first at five PM. We'll talk all about the latest in coaching search, pl- probably some draft questions too. Join me today, 5 p.m., for our latest Spotify green room, our weekly Spotify green room. But that's going to do it for me now. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily, Lockdown Magic, this is Phil from We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.
1: Hey, Prime members.